He is risen. Hallelujah. That is a good thing to celebrate. In fact, uh, I think there's nothing better to celebrate. Why don't we start by singing together hymn number 576. Our, uh, our screens are not working this morning. Uh, we don't know why. So take your hymn books and let's sing together number 576. And why don't we stand to sing? <clears throat> Sorry, 567. <laughs> indeed. Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. And welcome here. Good to see you all this morning. It's a wonderful morning. Oh, man, I see some guests from BC there. Welcome here. And any other guests that might be here this morning. Uh, Thank you for coming. Glad that you've joined us. Uh, Welcome all the regular attenders and those who will be Watching our service later this week or listening to it, glad that you've all joined us. On this Easter Sunday morning, we together with 
um, other Christians in our community and Christians around the world are part of a chorus of praise, a continuous chorus of praise as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It was happening while we were sleeping, and it's going to be continuing for a few more hours yet as the time changes. So that's a neat thing. Along with celebrating Christ's resurrection this morning, we're also going to take time to remember um, his death, the suffering that he went through. We're going to have communion this morning. Uh, We had planned to have it on Friday, on Good Friday, but we canceled our service due to the weather, so we're going to do that this morning. For an opening scripture this morning, I'd like to read from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 7. The Gospels give us several different versions of Christ's resurrection. So John Giesbrecht is going to have scripture reading a little later this morning, and he's going to be reading from uh, the account, or from the Gospel of John, from his account of the resurrection. Pastor Dean's message is based on Mark's account of the resurrection, so I thought I'd read from Matthew this morning. So Matthew 28, 1 to 7. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Let's bow to pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. We thank you for Jesus, that he was willing to leave the glories of heaven, come to earth, and then at the end of his earthly life, was willing to take the burden of our sins upon himself, and then suffer and die on a cross in our place. Lord, we are so unworthy. We are the guilty ones. And Father, as we take part in communion this morning, help us as we remember what you have done for us. But we know it didn't end at the cross, and we thank you that we can celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. He is risen indeed. God, we thank you also for the freedom we have to gather here this Easter Sunday morning. Thank you for your presence. We ask your blessing on our service and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask Pastor Victor and Marilyn to lead us in a song again.
Take your hymn books again and let's turn to number 180 and sing together, Thine is the Glory. 180. take a, a moment to look at a few of our announcements in the bulletin, and uh, Myron Dirksen has an announcement to share with us. Myron, I'll call you up already. And uh, while Myron's coming up, um, our missionaries of the week this week are Preston and Myra Wheeler, and so let's continue to remember them and pray for them and their work. But also, this past week, uh, Preston's mother passed away. Uh, she passed away on Thursday. And the funeral is planned for tomorrow. So let's remember the family also in that way as they uh, prepare for the funeral. Myron. In the coming days and weeks, Ukraine families are expected to arrive in Winkler. Regional Connections, the Central Station, and the 1613 Ministry are working together on this relief effort and are, are looking for some help. 
On their behalf, our church, our church is accepting donations of gently used clothing and bedding, which can be dropped off here at the church office. Non-perishable food items and hygiene items like soap, toothpaste, and shampoo can be put in the brown trunk that's in the foyer. And if you can donate furniture and uh, appliances that are in good condition, that is even easier. Call the church office, and we'll arrange for those items to be picked up. Also being sought are contributions for airfare. There are many families uh, waiting, and uh, flights are around $1,500 a person. When these families arrive, they will need to be billeted initially. So if you have room in your home or an RV on your driveway, please let the church know about that. And finally, we are looking for people to come alongside these families to build relationships, invite them to church, and simply walk together with them in life. Okay, thanks, Myron. So as a congregation, we are seeking God's direction for the future of our church. We're encouraging all of you to keep that in item of prayer. And uh, the church is making the sanctuary available if you want to or if you'd like to use the sanctuary to take some time to pray. It's open Monday to Friday from 8 to 5, and you're welcome to come here and take advantage of that. Along with that, as we prepare for our membership meeting on April 25th, uh, there's a box in the foyer, a suggestion box. If you have any comments or suggestions that you would like to make, uh, please uh, drop them off in the box. Some people have already done that. And then let's prepare for the membership meeting on April 25. And uh, under persons with health needs, we have Dorothy Giesbrecht in, the, in Boundary Trails. And uh, Hilda Ham is not in the hospital anymore, and Hilda Ham is here this morning. Henry and Hilda are both here, so good to see you here this morning. And uh, we uh, also are, have been told that, uh, or you have been told, that you don't have cancer. So that is great news, and we praise God for that. One name to add uh, to that list is Jake Unruh. Jake... Uh, and Judy went to BC to visit their kids. And uh, Jake uh, was experiencing some pain out there. He went to the hospital. He was admitted. He has an infection as well. So I think he went into the hospital last Sunday. And he was hoping to get out this weekend. I haven't heard if he is out yet or not. But let's uh, pray for Jake and Judy, for their family. Let's pray for doctors, for wisdom as they treat him and others. Ushers, if you're ready, I'll call you forward. So there's other announcements in the bulletin. I'll ask you to read those on your own. There's an insert there uh, with uh, those who have donated to uh, uh, Gideon's, uh, remembering uh, a loved one who has passed away. So that list is there. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you again and thank you for this day, this Easter Sunday morning, where we can celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. He was willing to suffer betrayals and beatings and then die a cruel death in our place. Thank you, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We don't deserve anything, 
But you have assured us that our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And you've given us the gift of eternal life with you. Lord, all you ask is that we place our trust in you. Lord, we thank you for those who have gone out to serve you away from home. Today we pray for Preston and Myra Wheeler as they continue to serve with Leader Impact. And God, we ask your continued blessing on their work. And we ask also your comfort for them and the rest of the family after the passing of Preston's mother and as they prepare for the funeral. Lord, we ask your continued strength and comfort for others from our church and our community who have also lost a loved one. And Lord, we ask your hand of healing on those who are dealing with health issues. There are those who are at home who are dealing with something. We pray for them. We pray for those who are in the hospital. Dorothy Giesbrecht, Jake Unra. We ask, Father, for wisdom for the doctors and medical staff as they look after them and treat them. And we pray for strength for their families as they support them. And God, we praise you and thank you for the good news that Hilda and Henry have received and just pray that you would continue to walk with them. Lord, we pray that you would bring peace to Ukraine and that the war would cease. We pray for those who are fleeing the country and that you would keep them safe, that you would give strength to those who are helping those who have fled. And Lord, help us also as we make preparations for those families who will be coming to our community. And we thank you, Father, for the freedoms that we're able to joy, enjoy in our country. Lord, we pray for your wisdom and guidance as we prepare for our upcoming membership meeting and as we seek your direction for the future of our church. Lord, grant your words this morning to Pastor Dean as he brings us the message. And now as we give our offering, we thank you for how abundantly you provide for us. And we ask that you would bless these gifts to further the work of your kingdom. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
from uh, John chapter 20, starting with verse 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled, removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separately from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. 
I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. That's far the reading of God's word. The darkest, the most horrible day, 2,000 years ago, then turned into the greatest victory and triumph over death. And Jesus Christ died and he rose again to give life. And he put to death, death itself, never to happen again. A friend of mine by the name of Mark, who I attended Bible college with, with wrote this short story on Facebook page a good, on Good Friday some years ago. And this is what he said. Reflecting on Good Friday today, Jesus came to our world and freely gave his life on the cruelness of a cross to conquer Satan and sin on, the beha- on our behalf so that we can live free from the tyranny of sin and eternal death. Good Friday is not just for the church. It is for our world, for every nation, race, or political stripe. It is for you and me. It, brought, it was brought home to me this afternoon as I sat with a good friend and his lovely new wife who dropped by. Married just four weeks ago, two days ago they received news that she had terminal cancer and is given three months to one year to live. But to see the face of of her, as she said, she is ready to face this and to meet Jesus if this is indeed her time. This shows me again how real Jesus is and the power there is as we place our full trust in him to meet him and death with a mind and full and a heart full of hope. We will be praying for Arminda and her husband Wendell as they walk this road with the one who came 2,000 years ago to die for them so they can enjoy eternal freedom and life with him. Close quote. I'm sure this must have been an incredible blow to this couple when they just found out after they had just been married for such a short time. She only had three months to a year to live. Yet in the midst of her heartbreak, she has this intimate relationship with Jesus that made all the difference. She was saying along with Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's what the cross stands for and what Jesus has done for us. That when we look at death one day, we can look at it with joy in our hearts. In your bulletin, you will find that there's an outline of the message. And if you follow along, you can take some notes and fill in some of the, the blanks there. For every believer, the death and the resurrection of Christ always takes on new meaning and understanding when one comes face to face with death. How true that is. It's almost like wearing a life jacket that no and no one really appreciates until the boat capsizes. Then you realize how desperately you need that life jacket. And when we live our lives down here and we come to the end, we realize more than ever we desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. And without him, we will die 
eternity spent away from God, for that is what eternal death is. It is separation from God. We will live still, but separated from God. Jesus laid down his life for you and me. Because of this, we are saved from the wrath of God that we deserve. Instead, we look forward to the riches of heaven and seeing our Savior face to face and how wonderful that will be when we will finally look into Jesus' eyes and see him face to face. Sometimes we love this world so much that we're not ready to die or we don't want to die. We would rather live. But you know, when you come to the end, whenever, wherever you are, whether you're young or old, you look forward to seeing Christ and seeing him face to face. How wonderful that will be for you and I. That is what it means to be a Christian and to have our hope in Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to this morning's scripture passage, Mark chapter 15, um, verses 40 through 42 through chapter 16, verse 8. As we look at the account of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have provided. Life eternal when we place our faith in you. And we know what it's like to lose loved ones. I think of right now of Alvin and Doreen who lost their son Richard. Lord, what a celebration it was for him in heaven when he entered. And Lord, what a celebration it will be for us when we will see him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came, that you sent your son to die in our place. And he did not stay dead, but he rose again on the third day, conquering death and giving victory to each one of us. I pray now as we look into your word once more that you would speak a clear to us so that we can gain a deeper meaning and a fuller understanding of the cross that Christ bore. And then not only did he die, but he rose again. For this we celebrate this day. Amen. I've entitled this message, Morning Turns to Fear, Wonder, and Joy. Morning Turns to Fear, Wonder, and Joy. Number one, when Joseph prepares for the Sabbath by burying the body of Jesus. When Joseph prepares for the Sabbath, by burying the body of Jesus. Starting at verse 42 of Mark chapter 15, it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as the evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. 
Close quote. The Sabbath was a very holy day for the Jews. It was a Saturday that they held this day. Everyone did all the necessary work during the week and the day before so that they could rest on the Sabbath and they wouldn't have to do any labor. However, this whole week was a holy week since it was the celebration of the Passover. In the Jewish custom, all people who died had to be buried the same day before sundown. And if you're following in your notes, unlike our calendar, each day for the Jews started at sunset. So if Jesus was crucified around noon, he would have hung on the cross for more than three hours before he died. So by the time Jesus would have been removed from the cross, it possibly would have been 4 p.m., and, the, and his body was then wrapped in linen and transported to the tomb, uh, transported to the tomb where he was buried. As already was said, the work done had to be completed by sundown, which was around 6 p.m. One of the most fascinating parts of the story is that Joseph of Arimathea, who goes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus, he went there. Joseph was a prominent member of the Jewish council, which sentenced Jesus to death. We learn some interesting things about Joseph from the following passage of Scripture. First, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 57, it says this, As the evening approached, there came a rich man. We learn that Joseph was a rich man from Arimathea, Arimathea, named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. He became a follower of our Lord. Then John chapter 19, verses 38 to 42, tells us some more interesting things about Joseph. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. That's the first thing we learn. The second, he was secretly a a disciple, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, that's number three, he had to get permission in order to do this. The man who earlier, or I'm sorry, uh, permission, he came and took the body away. Then he was number four, accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus um, at night. Nicodemus brought mix a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two men of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there, close quote. Grasmick in the Bible College, pardon me, Bible Knowledge Commentary says this about Joseph of Arimathea, and I quote, But he took courage and went to Pilate boldly, 
a description unique to Mark, the writer of this gospel. His action was bold because, A, he was not related to Jesus. No relation. B, his request was a favor that would likely be denied on principle since Jesus had been executed for treason. C, he risked ceremonial defilement in handling a dead body. D, his request amounted to open confession of person of person of a personal loyalty to the crucified Jesus, which was doubtless incurred, would incur the associates' hostility. So now people knew that he was a follower of Jesus. He was a secret disciple no longer. And this is something that Mark impresses upon the leader, the change in his life. He became a follower. He was silent, and then he went ahead. Notice that Pilate is surprised to hear that Jesus is already dead. So he sends the centurion to confirm this. The reason is that the people who are crucified could live up to two or three days on the cross. And once again, this shows us that Jesus' life was not taken from him, but he voluntarily laid his life down. Also, this is another proof from two eyewitnesses that Jesus was dead. Joseph and Nicodemus once again point that Jesus was dead. So Joseph bought some linen to wrap the body of Jesus. In John chapter 19, verses 30 and verse 40, we find that Nicodemus helped him. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 60, we find out that Jesus was laid in Joseph's tomb. Tombs were hewn out of limestone and were approximately six by nine feet. The stone that covered the entrance weighed 1.5 to 2 tons. And once it was rolled into the slot in front of the tomb, it would take many men to move it. Once it goes into that slot, nobody's pushing it out by themselves. It would take a group of men to do that. You know, sometimes cars can roll pretty easy when you're trying to push it and it's a little bit downhill or if it's on a really nice flat surface. But I tell you, you try pushing a a car uphill, and especially if there's snow and everything around it, it will take a number of men to get that up. And the same way in regards to the stone that weighed 1.5 to 2 tons, it took a lot of men just to move that stone, or they thought if they could only find the men to do that. Now I have a question for you. Who do you think had more courage and faith? Joseph and Nicodemus or the disciples? Because all the disciples at this time had fled. They were away. Some watched the crucifixion from far away, but they left Jesus by himself. This brings us to the second step. Morning turns to fear, wonder, and joy. Number two, when the women prepare for the anointing of the body by going to the tomb. 
when the women prepare for the anointing of the body by going to the tomb. Verses chapter 15, starting at 47, and just reading through to 16, verse 3, so just a few verses. It says this, and I want you to pay real close attention to what verse 47 says. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. They saw where he was laid. Then chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Close quote. As they were going, who's going to move this stone? Who's going to roll it away? Notice in verse 47 that the two women at the cross were present when they laid Jesus in the tomb. That is significant. So they knew exactly where Jesus was laid, and the critics couldn't say that the women came to the wrong tomb, and that was the reason why it was empty, for this is what some people want to say. Well, the women just went to the wrong tomb, and that's why they thought it was empty. But Jesus hadn't really risen. But they knew exactly where it was because they saw. They were there. And now they're there again. So Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were present. Mary Magdalene was the person whom Jesus drove out to seven demons. And Mary, the mother of Joseph, was the mother of James and John. And they were known as the sons of thunders. So in verse 1 of chapter 16, the two Marys are the same as verse 47, but in an abbreviated form. The women were coming on Sunday, the first day of the week, the day after the Jewish Sabbath. They were not coming to embalm the body, to stop it from decaying like in Egypt's time, but rather to put perfume on the body as an act of devotion. According to John chapter 19, verse 39, Nicodemus had brought the spices, but he could not anoint the body because of the lateness of hour. So the women planned to do this on the Sabbath. However, what the women wanted to do already had been done by Mary, the sister of Martha. According to Mark chapter 14, verses 3 and 9, and John chapter 12, verses 1 and 8, she was the woman who took the bottle of expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' head and body. Jesus said this was done in preparation for him and his burial. That's why she did it at that time. 
On the way to the tomb, the women asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the tomb? As was stated before, the stone weighed between 1.5 and 2 tons. It would take a number of men to move this stone away. According to John chapter 20, verse 19, the disciples were in a locked room because they were in fear of the Jews. So these women had no idea how they were going to move the stone that day or that morning when they came. Now I want to ask a second question. Who do you think had more courage and faith at this time, the women or the disciples? Who had more faith and courage, the women or the disciples. Now, before we're too hard on the disciples, I want to say this. Remember, they've been putting everything, all their belief and their trust on Jesus Christ. And they never anticipated Christ dying. They never did, even though Jesus told them a number of times. It was kept from them. It had gone right over their head. As far as they were concerned, they were waiting for the kingdom to be set up here. And Jesus was going to rule now, right now. And this did not happen. Now we come to the last step of mourning turns to fear, wonder, and joy. Number three, when the angel prepares for the triumph, triumphant announcement by waiting in the tomb. Number three, when the angel prepares for the triumphant announcement by waiting in the tomb. Chapter 16, verse 4 through 8. But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And verse 8 says this, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Close quote. The women wondered who would move the stone away from the uh, uh, who would move the stone away but instead they were startled and shocked to see an angel as they entered the tomb that's why the angel said to them don't be alarmed Matthew's gospel tells us chapter 28 Verse 2 through 4, before the women ever got to the tomb, what happened? There was a violent earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. 
Close quote. So now the women come, and they found their problem solved. It went away. I was watching people last week, and they were shoveling their driveway at the time, or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. And it was, I believe it was a Saturday. And it was such a nice, warm day. I don't know what it was, in the teens or whatever. And, it, and people were still shoveling away, and I just want to go out there and say, you don't have to do this. Go have an afternoon nap. It'll just go away by itself. I want to tell you, the women were wondering who's going to move this stone away. And I want to tell you, God already had it in plan. And Jesus arose because the angel came and moved it. It was a supernatural act of God. The stone had been rolled away. Verse 6 tells us that the women were alarmed. And according to J.R. Edwards, he says the Greek word for alarm, ekathane, BMI, found only in Mark, means both fear and wonder, astonishment and distress. The same word is used in Mark chapter 14, verse 33, of Jesus' intense distress in Gethsemane. Close quote. So much packed into that word. And then the, the word angel means messenger of God. Before the women spoke, the angel told them that they were looking who they were looking for and that Jesus had risen. How could this be unless if God himself who intervened and raised Christ from the dead? So who actually raised Jesus from the dead? Who raised Jesus? John chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Jesus speaking right at the beginning of the ministry, of his ministry, says this. Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. Galatians 1, 1 says this. Paul, an apostle, sent from men, not sent from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And can we understand this? No, we can't. It is beyond our comprehension, but we know that the three are one. And then throughout the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, we will find that the Trinity is expressed. It was the three who all participated, and the three are one. The final word to the women was to go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why Peter? 
It was not because he was the leader of the disciples, but because he was the one who denied Jesus. Even in sin, when we have repented, there is forgiveness. No matter how sinful you may be, there is always forgiveness. And Peter experienced this when Jesus reinstated him in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Go home and read that this afternoon, how Jesus dealt with Peter after the betrayal and that Peter was turned around. In Mark chapter 16, verse 8, the women left the tomb trembling and bewildered because they were still in shock. They said nothing to anyone, and Matthew's Gospel 28 through 8.10 fills in the details for us. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Close quote. When these women realized that Jesus had risen, their mourning turned from fear to wonder and then to joy. Jesus had conquered the death as he said he would. And now they beheld him face to face because sorrow now had turned to joy. Sorrow had now turned to joy. In closing, I want to share a very, very short story. Chuck and Pam Pierce had a set of twins born on February the 6th, 1988. One baby had a severe heart condition, and the other one had a malfunctioning liver. Both of them passed away. In Chuck's book entitled, Possessing Your Inheritance, Take Hold of God's Destiny for Your Life, he says this, Sorrow and joy are firmly linked. Perhaps it is because the deeper we experience sorrow, the more capacity we have for joy. I want to repeat that. That is so remarkable. Perhaps it is because the deeper we experience sorrow, the more capacity we have for joy. I suppose it's similar to hunger. The hungrier we are, the more satisfying a good meal is to us. Isn't that the truth? Have you ever been waiting for a good meal and then you've been snacking all the way along the line and that meal never tastes as good as when you were really hungry? And if you do the comparison of that, the same way it is with joy. The deeper we experience sorrow, the greater joy that we can have. Although we may only see the sorrow and tears of the night, he has planned a bright and beautiful morning full of joy. And then he says, Pam and I are so aware of this principle that we chose to put John chapter 16, verse 22, on the headstone, on the headstone of our twin sons, knowing that one day our sorrow would turn to joy that no one could take away. 
And this is what John 16, verse 22 tells us. So with you, Jesus is speaking, now is your time of grief. Grief, But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. As believers, we all walk through times of loss and grief and sorrow. But there is joy on the horizon for every believer and every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said once again, let me say it once more, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus has risen from the grave and because of this we too shall live and we too shall see Christ face to face. Would you take your hymn books again and let's turn to number 179. Christ the Lord is risen today. I don't think we can sing this sitting either, can we? Would you stand?
Let's bow as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful celebration of the resurrection day because Jesus died and he conquered sin and he conquered the death. Thank you for the victory we can have as we walk in the fellowship of you and the Holy Spirit. Help us to realize more than ever that you give us the strength and we pray that you would go with us through this week. Help us rejoice because we know that Christ has risen from the dead and we know if we've made that decision for him, we shall see him face to face. Now I close with Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. The Apostle Paul says to us, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophet's writings by the commands of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey. To the only wise God be glory forever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may go in the peace of Jesus Christ.